You're listening to the news on RTHK. The Financial Secretary phone-in with Hugh Chiverton and Peter Lewis. Call us on 233-88266 or email backchat at rthk.hk. Good morning, I'm Hugh Chifton. Welcome to the programme. Over the next hour, it's your chance to question the Financial Secretary, Paul Chan, on the budget speech he delivered on Wednesday this week. If you want to talk directly to Mr Chan, you can call us. 233-88266 is the number. 233-88266. Or if you can't get to a phone, you can email backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk, but we will go to the phone calls first. We're broadcasting today on RTHK Radio 3 on DAB 33, on RTHK TV 32, we're webcast and we're on Facebook Live. Over the next hour, Mr Chan listening to your comments and answering your questions on his first, though maybe not his last, budget. In his last budget, John Jung forecast a surplus of $11 billion, but it turns out that the government raised $93 billion more than it spent. Despite this, the sweeteners for the coming year are less than last year and more surpluses are expected in the future. A unit will be set up to examine the international competitiveness of our tax regime and to address the supposed problem of a narrow tax base. Well, what do you like or dislike in the budget? How do you think it deals with short and long-term issues? Is it steady or is it too conservative? Let Mr Chan know. Call us on 233-88266. Peter. Thank you, Hugh, and good morning, Mr Chan. Yeah, good morning. Um, I want to start by asking you, what are your principles and, and philosophy behind this budget, which guide you really in how you manage Hong Kong's finances and, and the economy? Well, in the budget, I have taken some chapters to discuss about the objectives of an approach for public finance, uh, specifically uh, in terms of objective we we need to develop our economies and to improve people's livelihood. This is number one. Number two is to invest into the future so that we will remain competitive, our economy will continue to grow, and we will be able to offer our people quality jobs. And the third objective is to promote social justice and also at the same time sharing the fruits of success. With this in mind, in handling this year's surplus, as Hugh mentioned at the beginning of the program, although we have a surplus of about uh, $92 I decided to return $35 of this surplus to the people uh, to share the fruits of the economic success and also using this to support our economy and the employment because although the beginning of this year the economic outlook of Hong Kong looks to be quite good but there are so many external uncertainties as you know the uh, new US administration's policies in terms of trade in terms of the handling of the relationship with China, uh, the upcoming elections in Europe. So uh, we have to be careful 
Uh, that's why I try to maintain uh, returning some of the purpose surplus to to the people of Hong Kong. Um, at the same time, I use the rest of the surplus to invest in the future, and specifically, I set aside 30 billion for elderly residential homes and disability residential places and rehabilitation services for them. And I also set aside 20 billion for sports facilities and community facilities, which the various districts have been longing for. And I also set aside 10 billion to support the development of innovation and technology, because we believe this will be the way forward to drive the Hong Kong economy and to, by using uh, in innovation and technology uh, to diversify our industries. And also I set aside one billion for youth development, uh, encouraging uh, occupational education encouraging uh, our young people to go abroad to get more exposure, give them scholarships, which is not just academic-based, but based on their different talents, so that other people would have the opportunity to broaden their exposure. Because going forward, what we need is people with multicultural uh, capabilities, uh, people with broad exposure and horizon, so that in the transformation, uh, in the transformation process in bringing Hong Kong to a knowledge-based uh, new economy, we will have adequate and we, we would have equipped our young people adequately. I think, uh, Mr. Chan, people understand that that's what um, the, the government is doing and what the government should have been doing yes. uh, all, all the time. <coughs> but you have this extra money with this unexpected mm. surplus. When you're thinking about what to spend that on, do you, is the principle you want to give it back to the people who gave it or do you want to give it to people who need it? It is a balancing act. And... In the budget, I mentioned that the, when we use the annual surplus, we have to take into consideration the nature and source of this surplus. And then the internal domestic economic environment as well as external economic environment. We also need to look at the needs of the community and the community's need into the future. We cannot afford to be too short-sighted. And finally, we also need to take into account the expectations of the people. So, in fact, this is a basket of factors that we need to pay attention to. And I believe in allocating the current year 92 billion surplus in the way that I have just outlined is a, a optimum and balanced distribution of the surplus. But given that you have this surplus year after year, mm-hmm. um, and we now have a record surplus since the financial crisis, mm-hmm. you're choosing to return it to the people through rebates, tax reliefs, mm-hmm. these sweeteners granted less than before. But as you're having this surplus, you're collecting too much money every year. Wouldn't it be better to return it to the people who paid it to you through permanent tax cuts? Why did you not go down that route? Well, we have received uh, different suggestions and advice from when we conduct the consultation process. There are suggestions asking us to reduce permanently the tax rate. 
uh, there are people asking us to dish out more. Uh, some even suggest that Paul, you are lucky because you are financial secretary now uh, with a huge annual surplus. Why don't you hand out more sweeteners to promote your own pop- popularities so that you may be able to get a better chance for the next term? I haven't done that. I decided not to because being a responsible financial secretary, what I need to do is what we what we believe to be in the best interest of Hong Kong, both short-term and long-term. So going back to your question, there are conflicting suggestions. So we have to make an independent, consider judgment, taking into consideration the factors that I have mentioned. And also, you know, the, the budget, although it is a set of figures which may look hard and cold, but to me, this is represent our value. This represents our priorities in terms of allocating the resources of the community. Going back to the point about tax, the surplus this year, the huge majority of it comes from property-related income. About 50 billion is the uh, extra land sale revenue. About 8 billion is the stamp duty collected when the property market is pretty hot last year. And then about 10 billion of the underspending was in fact not an underspending, but a spending which originally planted for this year, but it was paid one year earlier. So looking at this, uh, I think we have to be very careful because the expenditure side of the government has been increasing. If I may call you with some figures, in the year 2012-13, the total spending of the government is in the order of about $377 billion. In the year 17-18, I mean this coming uh, financial year, it will be in the order of over... 460 billion. So in five years, almost 10 billion increase. And looking into the medium term, five years later, it will grow to over 600 billion. Another, another 10 billion, another 100 billion dollars. So the pressure on government expenditure increase is tremendous. And in this term of government, we have been doing a lot on a number of funds. Number one, land production and housing. And this is a very long-term commitment. And for that, in terms of public housing, we have not been able even to meet the targets. But but the biggest expenditure this year, as in previous years, Mm. and as you you forecast Mm. in the future, Mm. is not on education, it's not on Mm -hmm. the old people, Mm -hmm. it's not on social welfare, it's not on health. It's on concrete. It's on infrastructure. That's uh, the, where most of the money is going. The, the, the largest portion is, is infrastructure. Now, how does that... That might help for one or two years, but why does it help again and again and again? What sort of investment is that? If I may make a correction, uh, actually the increase in expenditure in the coming five years, a lot of it, a lot of it is from retirement protection, social securities, OH allowance... So that increase, for example, in the policy address, they talk about uh, in 
adding a threshold for the needy elderlies to increase the payment to them. Talking about the medical voucher, uh, the, the medical voucher uh, increasing the amount and reducing the eligibility age. When this all fully implement, the annual commitment is to the order of $9 billion. So the increase is not just infrastructure, but the increase is also on recurrent expenditure. The increase in infrastructure, part of it is catching up on the underinvestment in previous years. And part of it in the future years mainly is for domestic, not cross-border, for domestic transport, community facilities, stadium. So if we examine in detail the infrastructure's projects coming on stream, I would believe that the community will be with us because this is going to improve the living environment. Of Wh- the why people. are we spending more on roads than we are on schools or hospitals or for the elderly or care for the elderly or anything else? It's the biggest expense for the government is infrastructure. Um, for our expenditure, say for example in the coming year, on education alone is about $73.5 billion. On social, uh, this is the lar- largest item. Well, for all together, on education and social welfare, on health and medical, this is in the order of $210 billion. If, if you add them together, yeah. but, but we're still spending more on infrastructure than we are on education. We're spending more on infrastructure than we are on health. But I don't think this is a fair, fair comparison. Because the infrastructure is territory-wide on a number of funds. So it, at the end of the day, I think it is a question of, uh, a, question of uh, a balanced use of the resources of the government. Well, sorry, education and health is spent, is spelt, <coughs> is spent across Hong Kong as well. And education is... No, is no, no. I, I do not disagree with you about the importance of education. But I think it is unfair to com- compare it year on year. And in terms of education, apart from recurrent expenditure, we also, in terms of uh, capital expenditure, we have also put aside a, a lot of money. And even for hospital, we'll, we set aside $200 billion for a 10-year hospital development and redevelopment program. What's the purpose? The purpose is to improve health care services to our people. But it does seem to appear to people that it's less of a priority. I mean, if you take education as a percentage of your recurrent government expenditure, it's at a new low. Um, there's no provisions for extra university places. It does seem that even though more money in absolute terms is being spent as a, as a percentage and therefore as one of your priorities, it doesn't seem to take uh, so much of a priority as you said, some of these big infrastructure projects, roads and bridges to China. I think comparing that to infrastructure is unfair. The bridges in the bridges to China, the cross rail, let's face it, these are all the projects committed before the term of this government. And the project is fully implemented in this term. Can we stop it in the middle of the project? But it doesn't a- make sense. But in terms of uh, in terms of the allocation of the resources between say for example Education, social welfare, health care. Well, 
in this term of gov- the government, as I observe, the priority has been put on social welfare a lot. And you have seen the increase in, on that fund very substantially uh, to the order of over 40% this term of government. And if you look into the medium term, even larger commitment. So comparatively, comparatively, in this term of government, the education expenditure increase is much less than, say, for example, social welfare. And that is a fair comment. And that has been in terms of the... Uh, in terms of the priorities of this term of government, in terms of their work, as I observe, yes, social welfare uh, gets more attention. Okay, our telephone number is 233-88266 if you've got a question for the Financial Secretary. Uh, Paul Chan, now's your chance to respond to him. Uh, put your comments and your reaction to his budget speech by telephoning 233-88266. You can also email us, bankchat at if you can't get to the phone. But uh, do call, and uh, do call early, because we always get a, a jam of calls at the end and we can't fit everyone in. So if you want to get a pr- proper response as well, um, call now, 233 uh, We've got Mark on the line first. Mark, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. So um, my question is regarding Hong Kong's air quality and the problem of roadside air pollution. It seems that the only substantial measure in this budget is to claw back the previous long-term incentives for environmental-friendly vehicles to worsen our already bad air quality. So regarding commercial vehicles... Previously, you renewed the incentives on a three- or five-year basis, but this budget only renews them for a single year. So that really sends a message that this is a temporary and the support could disappear as it could at any time. Um, Regarding private cars, so your concern we agree with is the growth in the numbers of private cars, and we can all agree that the less private cars, the better. But it's clear that this new policy will really have zero effect on that. If you look at the figures for the past 10 years, the previous incentive had zero effect on growth. But people did switch from buying petrol or diesel to cleaner electric cars. So clearly this policy will simply result in people switching back to buying the now relatively cheaper polluting cars. And that's surely bad for everybody. So perhaps you can explain the rationale behind these decisions. Why are we penalising the environmentally friendly vehicles when clearly the problem lies in the greater percentage of vehicles which are petrol and diesel powered, and in particular the commercial fleet? Yeah, thank you, Mark, for your question. When the policy bureaus came up with this suggestion for commercial vehicle, although the extension is one year, um, it may, may be perceived as a short-term measure, but your suggestion we will take note uh, at this stage. I would not say that the concession, uh, the, the extension concession for commercial vehicles will necessarily be taken away one year later. Uh, your views and concerns are valid. Uh, we will consider it very carefully. In terms of private car, the growth in private, the, as you mentioned, uh, the policy consideration was to suppress the growth in private cars. And this is only part of the measures. This measure alone may not be able to achieve the objective. 
of uh, reducing private car growth. But this is part of a package. But the, some of the measures, like the cap on the first registration tax waiver, all that's doing is a disincentive to people to buy electric cars. Instead, they will buy petrol cars or, or diesel cars. Well, they, it sounds like what you need is a congestion charge. If you want uh, to stop people using cars, then you need some form of congestion charging, not a tax on the type of car they buy. Congestion charge is uh, one measure on the table. Uh, as I understand, the Transport and Housing Bureau is seriously looking into it. In terms of uh, reducing the uh, first registration tax uh, exemption amount for private cars, for for a middle-class family, buying such a car, although the subsidy is reduced, but still, if you are talking about a car... Uh, worth uh, less than, say, $400,000. This is still quite an incentive. But if you talk about people buying expensive electric car, electrical car, they need to pay a lot more. And as we observe, um, discouraging these people to buy, in many cases, this high-end electric car as a second car, this is something that we consider to be uh, worth doing. Mark, do you want to come out? Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's any evidence to show that. Because, I mean, when we look at the... I mean, you look at the statistics from the Transport Department, the growth has pretty much been a straight line for the past five, six years. Um, electric cars came on the scene, and we saw dramatic growth, you know, three, three and a half thousand cars a year coming on. But we saw three, three and a half thousand private petrol cars going off the curve. I mean, the, the curve, the line stayed the same, but the transition was from petrol to electric, which is a good thing. Now, what we can see is if we remove the incentive or reduce the incentive, all that's going to happen is the petrol cars become more attractive. And so somebody is going to buy a petrol car rather than an electric car. I mean, it's, it's very clear to us, and I'm surprised to see this policy change come into effect, particularly so quickly. I mean, I, I really can't see any other tax being introduced with zero notice of a, you know, this is a 50 or 80 percent tax. I mean, the vehicle, uh, Mr. Chan mentioned, a $400,000 car, which was really competing against a $300,000 petrol car. Well, now that $400,000 electric car is $550,000 with this new scheme. So it's even more uncompetitive. Okay, Mark, thank you very much indeed for your, for your comment. Our number is 233 uh, Some emails. Uh, Kevin, first of all, uh, says, would you please ask the Financial Secretary uh, if he had approved the $40 million lease uh, for three months uh, for use by the CE, next CE-elect? Uh, if he did not, can he say who did approve it? Thank you. That question comes from Kevin. Well, this is a uh, daily routine responsibility of uh, the Constitution and Mainland Affairs CMAB Constitution and uh, Mainland Affairs Bureau yeah. it doesn't need to go to me to f- for approval but it is going through the Legislative Council for approval It seems like a lot of money doesn't it? For three months I think they have 
been facing the difficulty of unable to locate suitable government offices for the CE-elect. Uh, we have heard the views of the legislature, and as I understand it, the amount has been reduced. How are you, how are you enjoying being a financial secretary, moving from development into being a financial <laughs> secretary, where you have to field so many, a lot of areas at the same time, aren't there? Yeah, I need to work... Uh, much longer hours every day, including <laughs> Saturdays and Sundays. I hope this is just short-term transitional situation. <laughs> Can I ask you about but, one of your principles that you mentioned, investing in the future? Um, last year, we had the Future Fund, which your predecessor yes. invested in. This year, you didn't put any money into the Future Fund. Why not? Well, I have uh, appropriated the money or set aside them for different purposes. So basically, the current year surplus have been all properly allocated, either in terms of short-term measures or in terms of investing into the future. And going forward, uh, I believe we need to put uh, resources and also to devise tax incentives to try to promote the industries that we want to promote. Uh, we talk about reindustrialization uh, because, as you know, uh, in, uh, technological innovation in the past decade has been driving economic change and driving change in business model. Uh, we are seeking to find opportunities for Hong Kong to do more high-end manufacturing and also to adopt innovation and technology into appropriate sectors to enhance their competitiveness. So we do need to invest into the future. And in terms of, say, land, housing, we need to do a lot more in terms of catching up. So this all demand resources. Uh, that's why this year I decided to allocate the resources in the manner that I have outlined. It sounds like, from what you're saying, that you really think we have enough now saved up for the, the future. We have a, well, according to your numbers, a fiscal reserve of 935 billion. The real mm -hmm. number is actually twice that because you have things like the housing fund, the exchange fund. But it sounds like, do you, or do you, let me ask you, do you believe we now have enough saved up for the future and the priority should be now on spending more to boost the economy and providing social services? We, our, our physical position is strong. Uh, we, if we want to, we can afford to spend more. Uh, we can afford to do more things. But this has to be in a well-considered manner. Money has be, to be used wisely. On the one hand, we recognize this is a huge uh, physical reserve. But on the other hand, we must be mindful of the increase in expenditure, particularly recurrent expenditure, on our medium and long-term financial stability. Uh, if I may give you an example, the $2 uh, traveling scheme for the elderly and disabilities, when it was launched, it cost the government about $300 million. Now it cost the government about $1.2 just in a couple of years. The medical voucher, the increase was even larger because the voucher amount has been revised several times. It cost um, the government 10 times. 
So with the initiatives announced in the policy address, particularly the OALA, I mean the OH allowance, uh, the MPF set-off, the future commitment of the government is quite large. So when we use the resources to spend more, we must ask ourselves, and in this new initiative, are they bringing us future return? In terms of affordability, can we afford it in the longer term? And also at the same time, if I may uh, invite your attention to the fact that the physical reserve is we need to have a strong physical reserve and this can be depleted very quickly. After the after the changeover from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand four, six years time, we went through Asian financial crisis, IT bubble burst, even SARS. At that time at nineteen ninety eight our physical reserve is about 28 months spending. But after these six years, with five years deficit, it was reduced to about 13 months. So it really ran down very quickly. So we have to be, on the one hand, uh, be willing to use the resources for the good of the people wisely. But on the, on the other hand, must be conscious about our long-term financial stability. Because at the end of the day, this is a international, an international financial center. For an international financial center, the confidence of the international community on us is very important. This is, you know, a lot of the things you're saying are kind of very familiar, and there are lots of familiar elements uh, in, in the budget. I mean, familiar from, mm. from previous budgets. Uh, is this? How would you say this is different from John Jung's policy, John Jung's approach? Well, we did not sit to deliberately make any difference sure. to try to stand out this is a very unique budget. No, no, that is not the proper way of doing things. Uh, John has been in this position, was in this position for nine and a half years. He is very experienced and he has his conviction and belief. Uh, when I came in, I worked with the team, we debate and discuss. And eventually we came up this. This is not just the work of Pochan. No, no, no. It is collective product. Do you think it has a different emphasis? Do you think it moves in a slightly different direction? As you say, maybe you didn't set out to do that, but looking at it now, do you think it's it moves? Do you think it's one thing or another? Well, we 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 have a couple of uh, initiatives. Say, for example, we said we we are going to set up a tax policy unit. Because the tax system of Hong Kong has given us a lot of advantage in the past. But internationally, it is increasingly competitive. And a lot more of jurisdictions to use using tax measures to induce investments or to promote a particular industry that they want to encourage. We do not want to lose out. We need to uh, take a critical look of that. And we have been receiving a lot of proposals and suggestions from various stakeholders in terms of uh, how to refine our different aspects of the tax system. So we, we are going to set up a tax policy unit to look at that. And at the same time, in, in the later stage, 
uh, also look at is there a possibility to increase the income for the government when needed. Okay, some uh, comments in, uh, in emails. This is from Henry, uh, who says, Dear Paul, firstly, let me express appreciation for your contribution towards addressing the housing problem and your good budget. Uh, my question is, now that Hong Kong is on track to solve uh, our number one problem, uh, I think our number two problem is inadequate hospitals, with waiting time for consultation uh, as lengthy as two years or more for some diseases. Uh, why can't we use a fraction of our huge reserves to build more hospitals? This, of course, entails uh, work also on our medical schools, uh, land acquisition and so on. But why is our government so slow on resolving this issue? That's from Henry. Yeah, thank you, Henry. Uh, in fact, we have uh, set aside 20 billion for hospital development and redevelopment. A new hospital is being constructed in Kai Tak uh, with uh, over 2,000, if I remember correctly, it is 2,400 uh, beds and also uh, cutting-edge facilities. The Queen Mary Hospital is undergoing redevelopment. Uh, the other hospitals, one, are all coming on stream. Uh, we have set aside this $200 billion. Uh, I will continue to monitor this if necessary. We will have no hesitation to inject additional resources to improve it, our medical services, because facing an aging uh, population, this is really... Uh, something that we need to do. And I, I can agree with him that at the moment uh, the surface of the medical uh, sector uh, can be further enhanced. And in fact, in terms of recurrent expenditure from this year on, in terms of recurrent expenditure, we are going to give hospital authority $2 billion more every year to improve their surface, to uh, shorten the killing time. Okay. Our number, once again, 233-88-266. Do call now. Uh, rather than at the last minute, please, if you want to put a question or comment to the Financial Secretary, who with us this morning. Okay, let's go first to uh, Jim. Jim, good morning. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, good morning, Jim. It's, uh, it's nice to see they finally put uh, somebody who is an accountant in charge of uh, finances. Uh, I'd like to... Uh, I've raised this point uh, before with your your predecessor and that is why is is it that for example i pay uh, four hundred thousand dollars a year to educate my three children and then this government which has i believe 1.76 trillion uh through its different accounts um they tax me on it is that fair uh jim i'm sorry i miss you please uh, please say it again you spend so so you, well, you, you're talking about well, uh, taxing, there's no tax relief on money spent on private education, is that what you're saying? Exactly. And, and basically, why don't we have a voucher scheme that every person who has a permanent ID or who is born in Hong Kong, why isn't there a voucher scheme for everybody? Well, thank you, uh, Jim, for phoning in. In terms of education, we believe it is important to let people have choices. You can choose to send your children to private school. You can also send them to public school or direct subsidy scheme schools. So it is really a question of individual choice. 
and it is important for the government to still make those choices available uh, to suit different needs and different aspirations. Um, it is indeed very difficult, and I don't think the government could afford to give voucher to every parent to allow their children to go to private school. Uh, I'm sorry at the moment this may not be something that we can afford, but we do provide free education. And in this what, term, about, what about tax, if not vouchers, then tax relief? Mm. And is, the, is that something that the uh, policy unit might look at? Mm. Review and unit? in terms of education this year, we set aside a huge m- amount of money for kindergarten and pre-kindergarten uh, schools with special needs. Going back to your question, uh, in terms of raising a children, at the moment it is the relief is in terms of a children allowance. Uh, whether we are going to to give uh, certain deductions for private school education, um, at least this is not on my agenda at this particular stage. Yeah. What, what, why you, not? You, I mean, this is something you've considered, for example, when it mm-hmm. comes to uh, when it comes to health. Um, that uh, there might be there might be tax breaks associated with private insurance and so on. And you, you mm-hmm. know, the government wants to encourage people to, you know, to to uh, t- towards uh, private health care. Why not do the same in the field of education? I can I can take down your suggestion and ask the education bureau to to. Take do you think a it's look? something that the, the unit might look at? Um, at this stage, for the tax policy unit, I'm afraid that this is not our priority item. But in terms of government decision-making process, I think the right approach perhaps is to take this to the education bureau, which is the specialty. But this is a tax issue, really. Oh, no. It's it not, is a policy not. issue. Tax is something to support the policy. But it is a consequential Okay, Jim, thank you very much indeed for your, for your call. And I'm once again, 233 uh, And we've got uh, Ling on the line now. Ling, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, I'm Ling. Also, Financial Track Secretary. Um, two questions um, from Hart, because family is the base of Hong Kong, and I'm the third generation of Hong Kong. You see, I cannot see the recurrent policy in the government, so I worry about the future financial security. Because, you see, I can see, uh, for example, um, Technology Bureau got $10.40 billion, but when they get a funding for the SMB, they distribute um, just 20000 or 200000 for each firm. It's a big difference, but it's, it's just give out. We don't know how it go back to the government. So can you think of some recurrent policy when you support productive units, then they have to give back. You know, another thing is that the family support is not enough. When you talk about uh, buying uh, for the first uh, residence, they are forced to do that. So just the uh, interest exemption is not enough. 
Ms. Chen, okay, Ms. Chen, uh, family under the income under uh, fifty thousand a month with a children or two children, we th- we cannot think of more. So I want to know how will you you use to welfare labor reserves? Will they only benefit the immigrants and the factors where they come more immigrants? Then more people become low income because the commercial can press or exploit more and make more people become low income. Okay, Mr. Chen. Uh, Ling, uh, in terms of the technology voucher, uh, the information and technology bureau come up with this scheme to encourage SMEs to use technology and technology solutions to enhance their business process, to enhance uh, their business capabilities. At the end of the day, if these companies can be more competitive, they would be able to make more profit, and the return to the government will be in the form of profit tax. And in this highly competitive uh, environment, and I would like to add one thing: it's too low. The fin- a profit tax in Hong Kong is too low. But I think I, I think twenty uh, two hundred thousand cannot employ much IT experts to work for them. That is another question. It is not meant for people using this money to employ a dedicated IT professional. Yes, yes. you are right, because it's expensive. But yes. this is to enable them to use uh, uh, the, to use these products or outsource to get such service. So, In terms of profit tax rate... Why bureaus hold up big money? Billion. More than... 10 billion. But for the small firm, then they go back to a big pool and then the bureau can create and employ more productive technology. It's now not helpful, just like dispute some money and close the, close your voices a little bit. But it's not helpful and not then be more productive, especially in this com- competitive technology world and make your business grow. You know? I just see a lot of money spent, but it's no results. But why don't you think about the Bureau, Dr. Chen, think about more effective way. But the other way, you reserve some money for welfare and also uh, labor department. But how about the people who work days and days, around 50,000 a month with one or two two children? You and many people experience and Many people now experience, and we are facing a critical time. More and more immigrants come, and their education standard raising, and even university graduate cannot get a just can get low income or cannot get a job. They have to go to other places like mainland, but this is not their place. Okay, Mr. Chen. They have to start from zero again. We are very critical now. Family support is very weak, and we are very depressed. Okay, Mr. Chen? Well, I we can... We cannot bond okay. one child. Okay, Mr. Yeah. Well, may I have the opportunity to respond, yeah, sorry please? About that, yeah. Yeah, really no problem. I can understand your frustration. Uh, I can feel your uh, displeasure. Uh, yes. Yeah, I can feel your displeasure. I can understand your frustration. Um, 
there are a lot to be done in terms of the uh, yeah. technology voucher. If you observe uh, specific areas that we can improve, uh, please let us know. We would certainly look at it. Okay. But as I mentioned, this voucher has been launched for just a short time. So please do mm. allow do allow time for this to work out this the scheme. I cannot say that each and every such voucher will bring. I mean, such voucher will be each and every SME to succeed, uh, but. We do need to try, and some of them can benefit from this and enhance their competitiveness. That will also improve our employment. I can understand your frustration about fresh graduates from university getting really underpaid jobs. Uh, career choice, job choice at the moment is not diversify enough. We hope we can continue to work on so that we can diversify our economy and we'll be able to offer people with more quality jobs. Over the past few years, John has been allocating resources for the creative industry, for cinema, uh, for film development. We have been trying. If we can do better, we will. Just let us know. In terms of the frustration of uh, people, family earning about $50,000, having child, uh, living in a very congested place. I can feel the pressure. I can feel the helplessness. But to help these people in terms of housing, I believe is that we continue to work on land supply and public housing. In particular, subsidized fat for sale, things like HOS, homeownership scheme, or even one more tier. I mean, one more tier of such subsidized fat. This is something that we have to work on continuously for and need to work very hard. In this respect, we have been trying in this term of government. We have achieved some progress, but a lot requires to be done. But at least in this term of government, having explained to the people about this land shortage problem and confronting the issue, I hope the the, the, the community will be with us in terms of uh, recognizing this is really a capacity constraint affecting not just of not just our economic growth but the livelihood of the people and we have to continue to tackle this and confront this so that one day land supply would not be something still uh, restraining our community's development even twisting the value system of the people. This is so unhealthy. Okay, Ling, thank you very much indeed for your call. Ten, ten to nine. Uh, getting towards the last opportunity to uh, call, if you'd like to talk to uh, Mr. Chan about his budget, uh, about uh, being financial secretary, our number 233-88266. We've got Virginia on the line now. Virginia, good morning. Hi, good morning. Virginia, good morning. Hi. Um, I just have a quick question um, about the education um funding that you uh, were allocating. Um, can I ask you a question? 
Um, would you agree that uh, the young people are the future to make Hong Kong a better world? Certainly. So, um, may I ask you, um, have you actually seen some of the local schools, the condition of the local schools? Yes, I visited some. And in this budget, we have uh, allocated additional money to improve their facilities. And in terms of, uh, it is not just money, but also headcount in the education burial to take forward uh, repairs and maintenance, as well as what we call the matchbox schools improvements. And how about the education system? Uh, you know, have, um, the increase of the suicide rate, um, is anybody looking into that? or Yes, the education burial. Do we uh, have an answer for that? They I mean, there have are more students, you know, com- there's, a, there's a rate being increased. The students can't take the pressure. So um, my, actually my children go to a local school. It's by my choice. And the schoolwork is just overwhelming. But is there any statistics show because we are putting so much homework, so much work into a young brain, are they going to make a better a person or would they have a better success rate when they're older? Uh, ultimately, the children will go into the same university. But should the education department looking looking into the system and try to revise the whole Thing? Yeah, it is indeed heartbreaking to see these young people committing to suicide. Uh, as you may know, the Education Bureau earlier on set up a, uh, a special panel to look into the matter, and they have, I think they have submitted a, uh, a report to the Secretary for Education, and they are, they are looking at it, follow up, uh, following up at it, of, on it. Okay, Virginia, thank you very much indeed for your comments. Quite a few uh, emails uh, on the topic of uh, education uh, and others. Please call if you can, uh, because uh, we're giving priority to calls rather than the emails, although, as I say, we, we do have a few, and we'll see if we can get some in uh, if we have time. Okay, we've got Simon on the line now. Simon, good morning. Hi, good morning. Good morning, uh, Simon. Mr. Paul, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning to you, Simon. Uh, uh, you know, my question is regarding, uh, you, know, you know, the housing for the public housing here. In Hong Kong, the one big problem is about housing, you know. And I remember in 2011, the financial secretary uh, in 2011 paid $6,000 to every Hong Kong resident. And the total amount of that was around $37 billion. Now, if you look at your budget and your surplus today, if you were, now there are 460,000 houses that the housing authority uh, thinks that, you know, you have to make 460,000 houses. If you were to construct $460,000 and take uh, $3 million to make one, it would cost you no less than, no more than $14 billion. And if you could uh, build these houses and give it to the people for free, it would cost you nothing. Don't you think so, that you have so much of surplus money with you? And, and, and housing is a big issue in Hong Kong. Even today, if you find today uh, a, a car park costs around $4 uh, million, and there are a lot of uh, people who don't have houses that live in, you know, in very poor conditions. So why don't you give as a one-off uh, you know, uh, housing to the poor people? 
government has a lot of money. Simon, uh, I agree with you. Housing is indeed a big issue for Hong Kong. Uh, whether we are going to give it free, give it away free, it is another question. But at the moment, we have been trying very hard to. No, what I mean to say, even if you give it for free, this is your social obligation to people because housing is a big issue. There are actually, if you really look at, fifty is forty-five percent of the Hong Kong people live in housing estates. If you really compare, uh, this is a very small amount of money that can go. This is a social obligation. If a government is rich. It should know how to spend its money. Today, your government is spending a lot of money on construction, making roads and bridges. We don't need those. If you really have a priority, this is not required. You you are probably under some pressure from China government or whatever it is. We don't need it. What we need is housing for the people. Actually, all the expenditure that you are making is for the people of Hong Kong. I am under no pressure from the Chinese government. This is please, a, this is a public not, perception. You may not agree, but you know, if for example, people don't have housing, there are a lot of people who live in uh, new territories when they come to work in central or something. They don't can't even afford uh, the transportation to come. That's why we need to build better transport facilities. And you ask me not to do it. Well, in terms of public housing, we already set up a reserve. To the order of 77 billion for the housing authority to take forward their public housing projects. If they need more money and if it is justified, I have no hesitation in allocating more money to that. But the issue for the moment is not money, my friend. The issue for the moment is not enough land. As you may heard no, no, about no, the Wangzhou project, I do not agree. This is this is the government's perception. If you really have a, a project giving it to private people and make a policy, you will see that this particular argument that government does, there are a lot of people who say there is enough land, and this land is actually in the hands of few people, and the government and the and the private property people play together. It's like a. Collusion. Are you suggesting me to nationalize all this private land holding? No, if you if you give it to some, I can tell you. I'm and an then build house and give it away. Is this is Hong Kong? Is this yes, Hong of Kong? Course. Why not? Is this you, the way you, to you do things to in Hong Kong? Thinking. The government thinks there is not enough land. There is enough land. I don't think so. If you can find more, show it to me. I have no hesitation right. to do it. Uh, okay, Simon, thank you very much for, for, for your comments. Just want to squeeze in one more call. We're just a couple of minutes left before the news at nine. Uh, Mike is on the line. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Um, good morning. Um, I know that we like to expound our, our rule of law here in Hong Kong, and I was just wondering if there was some personal rants going on. I realize that. But um, are you governed at all by law when you are spending our money? Of I course. I mean, are you, following, are you following principles of law, or is it just, um, uh, you know, I'm going to spend your money the way I've... I've it's a very subjective, I'm going to spend your money the way I Mike, want. did you have a particular area in mind or a particular issue in mind, a particular law? I don't know. I mean, uh, what's, what's the guidelines? There is a the public secretary? finance ordinance. The... There is a public finance ordinance setting up the statutory requirements. And as you, as you may know, for expenditure, for the budget, even for the budget, we need approval of the legislature. And the, le- the members of the legislature are elected by members of the public. 
So there are independent scrutiny on the government budget and any expenditure proposal. Of are course, you asking? Are you asking them each time you spend money? There are certain areas that there are standing delegated authority given to the government. We have to work. Within the delegated authority. Okay, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for your call, and thank you for raising those issues. We have a co- quite a few uh, other uh, uh, off-air e- emails as well uh, on topics. More on uh, electric cars and uh, car ownership. Some more on education relief. That seems to be a common theme uh, among our callers. Thank you very much indeed for your comments. Thank you very much indeed to the financial secretary, Mr. Chan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Will we be seeing you next year? Will you be doing this next year? Will we be doing this next year? My term is only up to the end of June. Okay, all right. But I will work very hard. Okay, back to coming your way. After, thank you very much indeed. Coming your way uh, after the news at nine. You can uh, stay tuned. Uh, The weather cloudy to overcast with a couple of rain patches today. Thirteen degrees. Now the relative humidity is at eighty-four percent. The news at nine. Coming your way.